0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. A good Thursday to you all, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. You guys know the opening. I'm Dan Bespris, your host, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Hoop ball is hoop-ball.com, at hoopballfantasy on Twitter. We are in countdown mode. It's Thursday, which means we are officially an actual week multiplier away from the NBA season coming back. June 25th. Count it out with me. July 2nd, July 9th, July 16th, July 23rd, and July 30th. Five weeks. 35 days until the NBA comes back. I swear, every time we see one of these positive coronavirus tests, the entire world yells, what's the point? And I will make the same point I made yesterday. It doesn't matter if someone has coronavirus right now for our purpose. I mean, it matters a lot in the general context. But from the standpoint of can a bubble work, this is working. These guys, Nikola Jokic was the one we talked about yesterday. We got a bunch more news as, as teams are now conducting their tests prior to entering the team training session. Sacramento Kings were the one where all the news came out yesterday. Jabari Parker, Buddy Heald, and Alex Len all tested positive. Here's the thing. These guys will be safer inside the bubble. All of the news articles I'm reading point to a combination of factors as to why players and people in general are starting to once again catch this thing. And it's generally because people are just not observing the stringent measures they were two months ago. People are going to parties. People are hanging out in groups. We know Nikola Jokic partied with Novak Djokovic. We talked about that yesterday. Presumably, that's what's happening here. I don't think all of these NBA players are sitting at home alone like, well, I am, just hanging out with family only. I can tell you definitively, I know people that are going out and just doing stuff, and it drives me up the wall batty. My wife is on a uh, group chat with other parents who have kids that are either in you know, a mommy and me class that we had or... Uh, our preschool or just a general friend group. And you know, we're not going to call out any names here on a podcast. I don't, I don't know who's listening. I doubt any of them are, but I know that there are groups of families that are just getting together for play dates without any vetting of any kind. We had Asher go on one play date in the last three and a half months because we thoroughly vetted the family who they're just like, yeah, we stay home all day. Uh, We have grandparents that are extremely vulnerable to this thing, so we're fully quarantined. We're like, cool, we're fully quarantined too. We all see nobody. That means we're okay. These groups, there's no vetting. Six, seven, eight families just all going out and hanging out together. Why do we think this is spreading? That type of stuff. You put these players in a bubble, they can't do those things anymore. If you put these families in a bubble, they can't go just wander off. Yes, I am concerned. Doing anything in a pandemic is a little bit crazy. But they've decided to try. And so seeing positive tests before anyone even gets into the bubble is meaningless for the bubble. We want to catch them all before the players get to Orlando or their own training camps. We want to catch these, even if it means they have to report a little bit later. Too damn bad, team. We're not going to slow down the freight train. You should have gotten in touch with all your players and said, stay home. Go nowhere. We are 10 days from training camp. Don't risk this thing. But folks are going to restaurants. They're going to hang out with friends and family. California leadership just put out a note today that just said, please stop hosting parties in your house. Just because you are doing it in your own home doesn't mean you're quarantined. Everything is an exposure. Eliminate exposures, eliminate virus. It can be two things. I was also reading some tweets that were talking about how everything in this world, and I mean, this is, forget Twitter, this is just in general. Everything in this world has become so black and white right now. If you're not on one side, you're on the other. If you're, if you're for playing basketball, you're against safety measures of any kind. And that's simply not true. I am petrified that this whole thing implodes. I am, as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, not at all confident that baseball can get close to finishing their season. There's so many exposures on that side. The NBA at least has taken measures here to try to limit exposures. So let's wait and see. For goodness sake, people, we don't need to react to every piece of news with A decision. I can't believe that in the the modern universe, the current environment, me saying, let's all take a deep breath and not jump to conclusions is now the hot take. Hot takes are no longer hot takes. Everyone's got a hot take. Everyone has to have a conclusion from every single piece of information. I don't care that Alex Len tested positive for coronavirus. Alex Len was probably, I don't know him personally, but he was probably doing something that exposed himself. I would, I would be floored, and we'll never have the answer to this question, but I would be floored if someone interviewed Alex Len and he was like, yes, I've stayed home for three and a half months. I've exposed myself to nothing. No chance. And yet at the same time, yeah, I can be concerned. I can think that maybe just from a if you look at it from purely a safety standpoint, yeah, it's not a great idea to start a league back up. But you know what? There are a lot of other factors at play here. They've weighed them and they've decided those factors are more important. They weighed them. They said, look, the, for, for people in their 20s and 30s, this is generally not a severe thing. We're going to try to figure out what to do with our older coaches. That's the fear, the coaches. Greg Popovich should be five rows back sitting by himself. There's just no reason for him to be on the sideline, especially with the Spurs effectively eliminated. Mike Dantoni, put him five rows back with a bullhorn. It's too scary. that, that part is too scary. The players point oh 0, zero it's like point zero zero two percent. Something obscenely low for people in their twenties. that have complications from this type of stuff. So that they waited out the billions of dollars and the low the low risk for the players, they waited out against the risk for the coaches. That's where they got to. Selfishly, I'm glad that's the decision they made. I'm glad that I get to watch basketball. I'm I'm worried, but you know, for my personal well-being, that's better. Great doesn't matter so anyway that's what's going on right now everybody's jumping to conclusions these days so let's all let's all chill hot take let's relax hey wanted to remind you guys uh that kind of an important thing happening here at hoop ball right now and we are back with our old buddies at manscaped.com i know we we told you about them i think in november and then i don't know what happened but we're back And I'm excited about it. And this is actually really important for me and for HoopBall. So I want you guys, I know with a lot of podcasts that have, you know, three, four, five advertisers on them every day, you guys jump through this stuff. I beg of you here, listen to at least the promo code. Because this is colossal for me and for HoopBall. You guys are always like, what can we do for you, Dan, to make sure that everybody's cool? And I'm like, nothing. Don't do anything you know, give a five-star review to the podcast on iTunes if you can. That's all we've ever asked of, this, of folks on this podcast. Well, I have another thing to ask of you. Because if, if we are successful in this partnership, if things go great with Manscaped, that's the type of thing that could infuse the podcast with a little extra bread. That's the kind of thing we can use to grow. And so with that as the preface, the promo code, you guys know how these things go. I'll tell you about Manscaped here in a second, but you know how these things go. The promo code is Brewski, B-R-U-S-K-I. We thought about doing other stuff like, remember on my bookie, we had the promo code today. That was too hard. Say, use the word today, today. No. The promo code is Brewski, B-R-U-S-K-I. You guys know Aaron Brewski. You guys know he's the founder of Hootball. His last name is the promo code to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. I know you guys have heard these ads before because you often listen to other podcasts and Manscaped is on a lot of them. But please, I'm begging of you. Go check out their stuff. Go check out their new lawnmower 3.0. I have one coming in the mail to me right now. I can't wait to check it out because it has a light on it. This is absolutely brilliant. As someone who lives in an apartment with Southern exposure, there is no light. I don't care what part of your body you're shaving. I know with Manscaped, there's a lot of like personal grooming from toe to head stuff going on. But it could be your face, your neck, your armpits, whatever, your nethers. A light. This is brilliant. I turn on like five lights when I'm shaving my face and neck. Because I'm like, oh, God, what if I miss one? Especially right now in quarantine, because I do it so rarely. I shave my neck, and if I miss one hair, it's like half an inch long because I never shave right now. Nobody wants to walk out with one springer sticking out of their face. A light! I don't know why this, is, this took so long for folks to figure out. Uh, that's really cool. I can't wait to check that out when mine comes in. Um, it's water-resistant. You can shave in the shower. It's got a ceramic blade. All these cool things. You've heard about all this cool stuff. Again, I beg of you. This is what we need here at Ball. Me personally, do me this favor. Go to manscaped.com. The promo code is Brewski. Get something. Get something. And feel free to tell me about it. I will reach out and electronically offer you a handshake because that's the most we can do during a pandemic. Uh, but this is colossal for Ball and for me personally. This is, this is a potential long-term partnership with a good company that makes a good product. It's affordable, and we got you a coupon. 20% off free shipping, promo code Brewski. Thank you for listening to this one. That'll be the longest ad I do for Manscaped on the show, uh, but I will be reminding you guys about that daily. So please, 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 please at least go to the website, check it out, um, and we'll be tweeting about it as well. So uh, a couple ways to to discuss. Today's show, we're breaking down the teams in the Eastern Conference now as we get set for the NBA Resumption League. I do also have some more information on the Resumption Leagues. been talking to our buddy Adam King over at Fantrax uh, in terms of how the leagues are going to work. They will have the traditional leagues available here for the resumption, uh, not head-to-head, but uh, roto points-type format where you basically draft your, your team like a normal fantasy league. And that's kind of what we've been breaking down. They also and we haven't talked about this at all, but likely we'll have a show dedicated to it, probably bring Adam on the podcast for that one they're uh they're opening up a pick 'em style format for this resumption season as well, where you pick three players per day, a guard, a forward, and a center, and repeat each day of the roughly sixteen we believe days of the resumption, but it's sort of uh, what do they call that in football? You can't pick the same player twice. So whoever you pick that first day, that's it. You Can't use Anthony Davis again any of the other 16 days or other 15 days, I guess. Why am I brain farting on what that's called? I'm sure half of you guys are going to tweet at me and be like, damn, this is what that's called. You know, in football leagues where you can pick a different team each week. Why the hell can't I remember it? Total on-air brain fart. Oh, well, doesn't matter. You guys know what I'm talking about. So that'll be happening, pick-em style, uh, Roto points. I'll likely be hopping into a Roto league. Should be fun. So let's talk about the Eastern Conference now. We finished up the West. Uh, no, no additional notes, I think. Going back on some of those teams, just looking at them here quickly. So let's start at the top of the East the same way we did in the West, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. And they, like the Lakers, have the same issue during this resumption period. It's a good problem to have, and theirs is even more severe. They have the best record in the NBA, and no one is within six and a half games of them. So they could conceivably clinch the number one seed within the first two games of the resumption season. And I realize that this might be maybe controversial to say, but... I don't think that you can draft a buck during this resumption season. I don't think you can do it. How can you, well, okay, let me let me rephrase. I don't think you can draft a starter on this team, and I don't know that necessarily there's a reserve you'd want. Let me break it on down. Just from a what-are-they-going-to-do standpoint, there's almost no way that the Bucks play even their normal allotment of minutes during this resumption season. They're going to be ramping up, and it's going to be an effort to try to get the intensity up. So probably, they'll play more than two games. They're not going to just play two games and then sit the guys. But it might be two games on, they win them both. Let's say they win them both. And then it's an opportunity to perhaps play every other game the rest of the way. So maybe they play five out of the eight. And even if they do, you're probably not getting the normal minutes. Giannis averaged only 31 minutes a game this year. Middleton, 30. Bledsoe, 27. Brooke Lopez, right around 27. The big names on this team, the minutes were way down. This was an opportunity, and, you know, as it turns out, it didn't really matter because they had a four-month layoff before the playoffs here. But overall, this was an opportunity to try to give these guys a little bit of a breather. They had a lot of blowouts. They weren't playing big minutes even in the closer games. You know, you, you save them for the, the the marquee matchups. But overall, these were players that were just playing less. Giannis averaged 30 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal, block, one and a half three 3-pointers this year, 55% from the field, and a team tanking 63.5% on 10 free throws a game, which crushed you. He finished at number 20, Middleton at 22, with a nice well-rounded performance, Brooke Lopez at 61, and the oft-banged-up Eric Bledsoe this year at 79. Normally, I would look at this team and say, Eric Bledsoe is your potential value play, but I don't know that he plays more than five games. All right, so let's assume that we just take most of the bucks off the board. What does that mean? Is there any spot at which we would consider drafting these guys? How far would they need to fall? Well, again, if you're missing three, I'm going to say I assume almost definitely three at least, of these resumption games, you're basically playing 50 out of a normal 80-game season. It's pretty darn hard to get anywhere close to the value expected if you're missing close to forty percent of the season. Thirty-five to forty percent of the season. So the answer's probably no. There's almost no way Giannis falls far enough for me in this resumption. There's almost no way Chris Middleton falls far enough. I mean, maybe if he somehow falls to like forty-five or fifty, that's not happening. Brook Lopez maybe falls far enough. Because let's say he plays five games. If you get him five games in there, he could potentially block 12 to 20 shots. And that might still be worth it. And then with Bledsoe, I don't know why he falls far. I guess if he falls down into that 80 range, you could give it a shot. But what if guys start to sit out? What happens to this Bucks team if, if guys start to rest and don't actually play? Who steps into the role picking up the slack a little bit well lucky for us the bucks in their last games were uh effectively missing guys so we do have uh, a little bit that we can work off of here for instance Giannis missed a couple of ball games right near the conclusion and of course you got a lot of Chris Middleton no surprise there you got more Lopez more Bledsoe Ersan Ilyasova got the start, but he didn't actually do anything. And you did get more Dante DiVincenzo as well. So perhaps this is the direction we look. We got to get a little bit creative here. The Bucks and the Nets, I think, was the last game that was supposed to happen before everything got postponed. But if we look at where things laid off, Milwaukee's final game was a loss in Denver in altitude where basically nobody played. Even DiVincenzo sat that one out. No Giannis, no Middleton, no Brooke Lopez, no Dante DiVincenzo, no Eric Bledsoe, nor George Hill. No one played in that game in Denver. We have a really interesting piece of data to work from here. They only scored 95 points, not surprisingly, with... uh, their starting lineup and their top bench guys all sitting the game out. But what I would expect here is, I think you probably see DiVincenzo play most of the eight games. He's someone I would definitely look at drafting because he's borderline useful even when they're healthy, borderline. But as they start to rest guys, he moves across the cut line and then just keeps moving forward. Also of note, if Brook Lopez gets half the games off, Robin Lopez becomes a really useful fantasy player. He'd likely get 30 minutes with Brooke out, or close to it. What we also saw in that game with everyone resting in Denver was that Pat Connaughton played about 30 minutes and didn't do much with it. Sterling Brown played 36 minutes and did some stuff. Wesley Matthews played 32 minutes and also did some stuff. And Kyle Korver got hot off the bench in 24 minutes and knocked down five three-pointers. These, to me, are not necessarily guys you need to look at on draft day, with the possible exception, we've already put DiVincenzo in, of Robin Lopez. He would be the second guy I would look at, because when, when you're trying to break down who you need to take and when, no one's going to be grabbing Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown, Frank Mason, Kyle Corver. These guys are not going on draft day. I think DiVincenzo will get drafted, And I would target him because I think even if you don't use him when the team is fully healthy, as they start resting guys during this resumption, he's a guy you can plug in for three or four games of pretty good value. And with Robin Lopez, you probably don't need to draft him either. But we're talking about, again, what you're looking for with your last couple of picks during this weird eight-game sprint it's not guys that can plod along. It's guys that are going to be truly awful, perhaps completely unusable for four games, and then magically turn into top 75 guys or top 50 guys for the other four. Because that's all we want. We want to piecemeal together our 88... Well, what are we going to get here? I guess 80 games in our Roto season? We want to piecemeal it together with as many top 50 games blended in there as humanly possible. How we get there is... Kind of the the point of discussion. So I don't know. My, I guess the question I don't know if Robin Lopez is going to get drafted. My guess would be no. But you could probably stay one step ahead of the curve and just check mark him for your fifteenth round pick. And if your draft doesn't go that deep, you might not need to draft him, but be ready to pick him up in those spots. So Milwaukee to me was relatively easy kind of the same way the Lakers were relatively easy. You're not really targeting their superstars because you want, in particular right now, with so few games happening, you absolutely positively need your top pick or top two picks to play in six to eight of these eight games. If they're going less than that, you're doomed. You're not going to make up the ground with your sixth, seventh, eighth round guys going all eight. You need your top guys to be piling up stats for you. What about the Toronto Raptors? They're kind of an interesting case study here. Toronto 46-18, and 6.5 back of the buck, so they ain't catching them. Three games up on the Celtics, so there's a pretty good barrier on both sides for Toronto. We talked a bunch during our post-mortem season about how excited I am to draft Raptors next year. I don't have quite that same enthusiasm for the resumption period, but I do have some. Because Toronto had a crap ton of strong fantasy assets this year because they just played their guys uh, until they died. Kyle Lowry averaged almost 37 minutes a game. Freddie Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam were both over 35 minutes a game. Not surprisingly, those guys missed a ton of time. The only guy in the Raptors that really stayed healthy this year was OG Ananobi. Congratulations to him. So everybody's healthy now for Toronto. Marc Gasol is back. Serge Ibaka is fine. Norman Powell is fine. They've got the band together for these eight games in a playoff run, which I don't know that any team needed this four-month layoff more than Toronto. Uh, And so let's start with the guys that I think we can pinpoint pretty easily. Kyle Lowry finished at number 19 in nine category leagues, and there's no reason to think that he moves too far off of the numbers he was posting. 20 points, five boards, seven and a half assists. Good steals, low field goal percent, good free throw, good three-pointers. Strong all-around numbers, generally underdrafted, likely because of the Kawhi Leonard effect from the previous year. I don't think he gets quite as underdrafted here during the resumption season, but it might still be a little bit, and so I have no problem with scooping up some Lowry's. What about the potential for rest days? Um, Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If they stay three games away from anybody else, then after five games there's the possibility that guys start to get some rest. There's also the other side of this, and and this is kind of the situation with Milwaukee. There's a very real chance that even once these teams have their seed wrapped up, they play their starters a few minutes a game. And that becomes really confusing because maybe Kyle Lowry plays in all eight of these games, but he only plays starters minutes in four or five. Is a 20-minute performance from Lowry enough to warrant spending a, say, third-round pick on him? I think the answer is probably yes, because he's good enough to kind of go buck wild in those 20 minutes, and he's going to be very good in the other ones. So I'm a little bit less concerned about Toronto than I am about Milwaukee, because it will ultimately it will take them longer to lock in the two-seed, which in the Eastern Conference is relevant. There is a massive difference in your first-round opponent between the two and the three seed. Right now, Boston has to deal with the uh, road-clunker, home-juggernaut, Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, that series has every bit an opportunity to go all seven games, and Toronto gets the Kyrie irving and Durantless Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Those teams aren't moving around very much. Brooklyn might flip-flop with Orlando, but either way, the top two seeds in the Eastern Conference have a cakewalk in the first round. Brooklyn and Orlando aren't... Uh, Okay, they're fine. They're slightly sub-average basketball teams, but they're definitely not good. They are not championship contenders. You could make an argument that anyone inside the top six in the Eastern Conference, could actually come out of the Eastern Conference. It's probably going to be Milwaukee, but we thought that last year. Toronto, they've got a shot. Boston, they're good. Miami, tough. Maybe lacking in firepower a little bit. Indy, eh, maybe. Kind of depends on how Oladipo looks. And then Philly, they got to be the scariest sixth seed that I can remember in a while. Although Houston, on the other side, (laughs) similar notes, The difference in the West and the East is that the West really only has one sub-average team making the playoffs. Right now, that's Memphis. They're fine. They're fun. I'm on the Memphis Grizzlies fan club for sure, but they're not a great basketball team yet. They're good. They're okay. Like Brooklyn, Orlando. They're okay. In the West, you want to be the one seed because you get Memphis in the first round. Probably. Maybe Portland, maybe New Orleans. Whatever. You're not getting Dallas. You're dodging Dallas through the Clippers. In the East, there's two pastry matchups waiting for you and so Toronto there is a desire to stay in that two seed I don't think they're going to mess around at the beginning of this resumption season and that's a team that really hasn't screwed around much with their their starters minutes all year anyway so probably and let's say hypothetically they actually lose a game in there and Boston gains a little bit of ground now you're looking at six or even seven games it might take them To lock in the two seed. But you can bet your butt. They want it. Just look at that. The difference between playing Brooklyn and Philadelphia. In the first round. That's a nine game jump. Eight and a half. Fine. I get it. But Philly. Brooklyn. I mean those teams are. Incomparable. In terms of how frightening they are in a playoff matchup. One of those teams has Ben Simmons. Tobias Harris. Joel Embiid. Josh Richardson. And the other one has Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. One of them moves the needle a little bit more than the other. So that's why I'm a little bit less afraid of drafting Raptors than I am of drafting Bucks. I get it. If they roll off five wins in a row, and Boston falls farther behind, and they lock it in, then yeah, maybe you see these guys take a little bit of a breather. So that's one slight negative. But I think the positives with this team actually outweigh the negatives a little bit. So uh, Kyle Lowry, you know, 19 before the break. If he puts up these same numbers, he'd be higher than that. Remember, we're eliminating eight teams from the mix. When you talk about guys near the top of the the list here, you can very easily see who's not going to be in front of him. Trey Young isn't playing. John Collins isn't playing. Kyrie Irving isn't playing. Carl Anthony Towns isn't playing. What is that? Did I just list off four? Jonathan Isaac is maybe there might be five guys in front of Lowry that just don't play in this resumption season. So his 19 could very easily be a 14 coming back. And um I don't I still don't even think he's gonna get drafted in the second round. I guess we'll see. Freddie Van Vliet finished at number twenty-five. He did have an opportunity to do more when guys were out around him, but make no mistake, this was going to be a a very good season for Freddie even without guys getting injured. The injuries probably boosted him from top 40 to top 25, but you're still talking about really big numbers, huge, huge steals numbers, which does worry me a tiny bit in a small sample size. I don't know how this levels off. I think he probably gets overdraft a little bit because he's coming off this breakout regular season, and for that, uh, I'm, I'm probably dodging him during this little stretch. Pascal Siakam finished at number 35. No reason to think that his numbers change all that much during the resumption season, uh, other than, again, you know, you remove 27% of the players in front of him, so he'll be going earlier than that. Probably gets drafted about where he will end up. OG Ananobi. We're going to jump over Norman Powell for a minute. Ananobi finished at number 72. He was the beneficiary of guys being out. I love him for next season... When there's no surge and no Marcus Gasol and they have no choice but to go small and OG's just racking up power forward minutes. I love him for next year, but I'm a little bit skeptical of this resumption because those guys are now healthy and still on the roster. Not that Ananobi's going to get squeezed for minutes. You know, he averaged 30 minutes a game this year. His defensive stats were good. His percentages were, were fine. Good field goal, low free throw, but he didn't take any. Just did a little bit of everything. When you're... When you're this kind of guy, I mean, that's a 3-and-D type of line he's putting up. When you have no real opportunity for volume, for usage of any kind, and that's the way it is for him right now, because when everybody's healthy on this team, he's probably the sixth option on offense. Siakam, 1. Lowry, 2. Van Vliet, 3. Surge for Powell 5, Ananobi Marcus tied for 6th. It's really hard to post numbers when you're the 6th option on offense. Which is again, why I'm so excited about him next year. You take Surge out of the equation, you give more minutes, you give more opportunity for growth. Right now... A lot of, and, and this is not necessarily that he needed guys to be out to be successful. He just worked in these streaky waves of piling up defensive stats. And I do think that having some guys missing was helpful. He definitely needs to be on a roster. So let's try to get some of that. Let's get that out of the way. He's not a guy that you're not going to draft during this resumption season. I just don't know if the, and again, we have to make our adjustments here. 72 27 of that is 19 so you know would he be 53 in a resumption season probably not but I would definitely look at him as a top 75 guy resumption level and then Norman Powell is maybe the the biggest question mark on this All right, we can loop back around to him uh Sergi I think is going to I think he's going to get overdrafted, but I just don't know because he doesn't block shots anymore, and he did most of his damage this year with Marc Gasol out. So I'm probably not going the Serge Ibaka route. There's too many question marks hanging over his head. I think I probably would consider drafting Gasol. When he was healthy, he was just ramping up. And it was notable, too. And he was one of those ones where I I, I was going to kick myself, and then he got hurt, and I thought, all right, at least I don't need to kick myself because I was kind of giving up on him. I mean, the dude was shooting like 30% from the field and was just doing nothing. And then all of a sudden, it was at the end of November, he started to show signs of life. He played about two weeks of good basketball, and then he got hurt, missed a month, came back, got hurt again, And just couldn't really get it locked in. He looked really solid playing the 30 minutes a game when he was actually starting to make some shots. Like, if you look at the games near the end of November, beginning of December, when he started to look like himself a little bit more, there's a lot of 9.9 rebound, 5 assists, 2 steal, 1 block type of games in there. I think Mark Gasol could be one of the steals of this resumption season. I only hope he doesn't do too much here... And remind people that he still actually has a little bit of fantasy game left. Although we don't have no idea where he's going to end up playing next season. So we take it as we get it. He finished at 109 on a per-game basis, despite I think what most people would say was was an awful season. He had basically like three good weeks. And a lot of bad ones. And he still managed to get to top 110 with all 30 teams playing. I think people pass over Mark Gasol, and I think we should be seriously considering targeting him during this eight-game sprint. I don't know how many minutes he plays, because everybody is probably going to be playing fewer minutes than usual, but he's their starting center, and when he was right, Ibaka was the backup, playing like 22 minutes, going hard for 22 minutes, but still, not enough. Serge was bad the first couple weeks of the year, before Gasol... Sort of fizzled, got hurt, and then surge went on a tear. I would probably consider taking Norman Powell in this draft as well. i I, I don't know if he's going to get drafted on the 53 he finished at or the fact that he missed 20 games. He's a question mark, but he looked good. he played himself into a big role on this team even when healthy, he's going to get looks. Is he going to be you know top 50 range? You know, after you take out the 27% of players, maybe, probably not, if you were to look at everybody, like if this team is fully healthy, he's probably more like a top 75, top 80 kind of guy in a normal circumstance. But top 75 normal circumstance is top 55 right now, because there's 20 players missing. So let's go top to bottom on this team quickly here sort of line them all up. I'm debating whether or not I want to do the Celtics today or just make this a slightly shorter pod and bang out a few teams tomorrow. On this Raptors club, I am I think Kyle Lowry will be a small value during this resumption. I think Freddie Van Fleet will not I think he'll fail to hit his his resumption ADP. I think Siakam finishes pretty close to his resumption ADP, maybe slightly below. I think Norman Powell probably beats his ADP here by a little bit. I think Ananobi probably is pretty close to where he gets drafted. Ibaka, I believe, falls behind, and I think Marcus Ole blows his his resumption ADP out of the water. So Lowry, kind of like Powell, eh, like a little bit. Marcus Ole, like a lot. Uh, Siakam, neutral. Ananobi, neutral. Van Vliet, slightly dislike. Serge Ibaka, strong dislike. I think. Although, I don't know. Maybe Ibaka gets drafted at like 120, in which case, go for it. Still pretty boring, though. Not much upside with Gasol on the floor. Well, uh, we can do one more team. Ah, oh, boy, I really don't want to rush it, though. There's a lot going on with Boston. This is the problem. You know, I had a plan to do Boston today, and then I got to this point of the podcast, and then I realized, now we're 40 minutes in. I don't want to rush it and try to do Boston in five minutes. Yeah, you know what? We'll do Boston tomorrow. We'll do Boston tomorrow. I'm just going to take this opportunity to remind you guys once again how much we need your help. We need to make this partnership the best they have ever seen over at Manscaped.com. Again, that promo code is Brusky. B-R-U-S-K-I for 20% off and free shipping, manscaped.com. Again, we'll be tweeting about it. And, by the way, if you want to join us over here at HoopBall, recruiting continues here. It's a weird time, I know, to do our recruiting, but we're doing it. So hit me up, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, if you want to join our DFS or sales teams. Those are the big ones right now. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Uh, we'll just put a pin in this one. Call it a slightly shorter show. Back at you tomorrow with our weekend edition. We'll go long tomorrow, baby. Got a good one for you over the weekend. Stay safe everybody. We'll talk to you then. This has been a Hoopball presentation.